Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Good. Good, Shad. Good. I'm glad to hear it, and I'm glad everybody out there, whether you're listening to this episode when it drops or later on, whatever, I'm just glad you're listening. As always, we'll take care of our shout-outs at the beginning. The first one is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collar and Elbow brand.com use the promo code four corners podcast the number four capital c in corners capital p in podcast no spaces to get 10 percent off your order um if you're up for helping out folks in east kentucky that could still use your help because god at this point even the theme there nothing's paying out and it's wildly inconsistent and there are still folks who you know don't really have a place um <coughs> if you'd like to help them Go through the Apple shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. That'll get your donation to where it needs to go. And for other shout-out, we go over to Matt. Uh, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, Orlando Cologne, again, deserving of a spot in any major promotion. But the good news, guys, the main event <laughs> – I, I feel like I rag on them. It's like a running joke, too. Uh, the main event of the NWA 75th anniversary show is EC3. Versus Tyrus oh my for God. the heavyweight championship. <laughs> people are mocking that. People are mocking that, but I'm I'm not because possibly our long national nightmare may be over, and that the the championship may come off of Tyrus and onto EC3. Onto a bigger uh, douchebag than EC3. Uh, EC3 is a douchebag, but at least he's you know, look, not my... quite as horribly unathletic and an embarrassment as Tyrus is. It's only yeah. a, a slightly less embarrassing i mean do we honestly think that in doing this billy corgan thinks he's going to be able to keep booking because ec3 controls his own narrative <laughs> god i don't I, I i i look at the results <laughs> for that and i i have no idea what the hell they're doing with that company uh, nothing yeah they're not even joking like they're not doing anything with it no <laughs> And let's be honest, like EC3, the only person there with arguably any star power was uh, Braun, and Braun like left to go back to the the WWE. So there's yeah, someone there's someone that's doing some stuff there that I I always see them on the shows and I'm like, wow, um, you could do better. I think it's Bully Ray actually that that might be. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like well, man, like I know it's towards the end of your career, but man, you're you're slumming it, buddy. I think one of the guys that was supposed to be doing stuff with it, with uh, Control Your Narrative, is uh, Austin Aries. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like Austin Aries, <laughs> like could have been something in the in the industry, and I guess people could argue that he was like, 
Yeah, he, he was Ring of Honor champion. But yeah, he had his moments, but he like didn't pan out. Well, he's an asshole and I believe a sex pest, isn't he? I I don't know that he's a sex pest. I I've, I've seen people criticize him and I've not seen that thrown around. Well, probably uh, I think I think I've seen it thrown around. He is around, just an asshole. But, but I I think I've seen it thrown around, but that also gets thrown around way too liberally in my opinion. Yeah, that, it does. There's still people gets applied uh, a little too quickly sometimes. Because it, because I think there's a point where it was like they were bringing light to some things, and then it quickly turned into, well, he hit on me, and I didn't like it, and I told him to stop, and he did, but he's a sex yeah. pest. Yeah, that's that's kind of like a societal thing, in general, where it's like, oh, he's like he's a sex. Like it just basically turns into like, okay, you didn't like that he came onto you. Look, yeah. backed off. If you want, if you, you want, like it. it's, like, it's it's not like sexual deviancy. If you want to dunk on uh, Austin Aries, there's a real easy way to do it. You just point out that Austin Aries, as a fully grown man in his 30s, brought a promise ring for his girlfriend. That's all you have to do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? How old is his girlfriend? Like sixteen? Like, are they Mormons? <laughs> <clears throat> to the best Look, of my I, knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, that's true. If it is untrue, then I apologize. But to the best of my knowledge, it is, and that is funny as hell to me. Ha ha! What's this about not wanting to wear the your purity rings? Ha ha! Here's here's another one. And maybe this is just me being petty, but it seems to me that Austin Aries is just an all-around less successful CM Punk. You mean CM Punk that once wrestled on a WrestleMania main evented by The Miz? I was going to say the thing they have in common is neither one is main evented WrestleMania, but that's just me being petty. Boy, so. how um, Collision has not done well ratings-wise. Uh... I, it, it did it did a good number, did like a dynamite number like the first episode, and then it's dropped off some. A lot. Yeah. It's it's it's. I talked a lot about that recently because yeah. people are kind of mocking that. I mean, it's a wrestling I, show. I, I, Saturday I have two minds. There, it was never going to be huge numbers. It, yeah, in fairness, it's like it's a Saturday night show, and Meltzer even before Collision started, they talked a lot about how like Saturday is a really bad night. Uh, it's a lot, it's a bad night because you know, people are out, people are out on Saturday nights. Got uh, college football in its face. Yeah, there's month. tons of like tons of real sports that are there. Uh, the WWE has like tried to fuck with AEW basically, and by putting like they've changed it to where it's like all their uh, their pay per views. Uh, excuse me, premium, premium live, live events. events. Yeah, they're Saturday going forward. Um, UFC runs on Saturdays. UFC just ran a, a pay per view. Uh, well, I think, Saturday. I think actually that might benefit it because usually the way UFC's run is collision would be ending right about when the stuff you care about with UFC would be starting. So true. Uh, but it it Meltzer has has argued this and I, I would actually tend to agree with him. It's like it actually does perfectly fine uh, for a Saturday night show. Uh, and so far, I mean, it's early, but so far there's been no indication 
from the network that it's doing poorly. And if you look at like the numbers that it's pulling in uh, compared to the network, it's like it's it's doing fine. it would be it, it's pulling good numbers, including like the, the the key demos. It's pulling better numbers than uh, it's on TNT, right? It's pulling in better numbers than like TNT normally was. Like a, I'm sorry, like TNT is pulling in a better rating and demo from collision than like let's rerun uh fast and the furious number yeah. seven i am, uh, years I am ago. glad it's i am glad it's kind of done what it's done though because i was getting really sick of all those like cornet dick suckers that were like oh my gosh it's gonna do better because cm punk's on it and it's like nope it's not, not even just like cornet cornet people it's like there are punk like fanboys, yeah, yeah, who who were arguing like, oh yeah, it's gonna like make it. It's like actually, it. I mean, it's again, it's it's doing fine, uh, and I don't mind it, that that being the punk show because it's like you can, I think you can have him be like a linchpin. And I think they've done a good job of making it different, but I also I also am glad that it happened though because, I mean, in tr- truth be told, as much as there's a bunch of people online that would try and argue it. Like punk's not a bigger star than Kenny Omega or even the bucks at this point. And in his career and like how long he's been gone, like he's just not as much as people don't want to believe that because, Oh my God, the bucks, you know, and Omega never went to the WWE. I think that the, I I, I have look, I'm not going to watch Collision. I don't want to see the guy. Therefore, I'm just not going to watch it. And that's, you know, that's all. Um, but I think that the whole aftermath and word did get out more than because the AEW um, audience is, I don't want to say more tuned in, but it's probably it, it trends more towards that. The online Internet wrestling community demographic people knew. And that burned a lot of goodwill. And punk stands are still going to be punk stands no matter what. But he's not as special as he was. You know, he got hurt twice. He, you know, had we had brawl out and the gripe bomb happened. And then, it, you know, a lot of the bloom is off the rose for a lot of people. So, you know, he's not as special as he was. Well, and he, he kind of, I mean... Remember that second UFC pay-per-view he showed up on, like, bombed horribly. I think he just, I think he has a certain, like, cachet to him that quickly evaporates, especially with, like, his behavior on top of it. It, it, it really can't, it really cannot be overstated how much goodwill he burned uh, with the whole, like, the, the brawl out stuff, because he's... Well, I think he had started burning goodwill before then. Just had best from people, and he's he's true, but he's he really like the whole brawlout thing. Because the problem is like there are people. Of course, there's always going to be people that aren't as like clued in, but AEW fans are a little more clued in to things. They're a little more smart than the average person uh, in terms of wrestling and, and knowing what was going on behind the scenes. So like they they knew what happened. So, and he's burned a lot of goodwill and he's kind of leaning into it he's kind of like doing quasi heel stuff and i imagine he eventually is going to go heel uh it would not surprise me if down the road they do basically like a double turn where they he never get heel. the hell out of chicago 
he goes well yeah if he goes he's probably gonna go heel uh and mjf may go face but it's he has brought a lot of goodwill and and the 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 collision numbers are good or fine uh i do think it's it's fair to say like he's not really a draw uh and you're right he's not a he's not a draw in comparison to kenny omega like if you actually look uh at the quarter hours from this year it's uh kenny omega when he wrestles either as a multi-man tag team or individually like he actually brings the rating up uh that's the ratings will actually have buried that out like it's the numbers don't lie on that versus cm punk who i mean obviously he hasn't been back long like a month but he isn't and, and never did really pop the ratings like that, except for like when he, you know, initially debuted. No, because I remember Meltzer when he had his big bitch fit, he put po- Meltzer pointed out that um, Paige was doing similar and even slightly better like numbers on top than Punk was. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Punk, though. Past the MJF feud, I think he was starting to wear a little thin, especially like mm. with the Adam Page feud where like he wouldn't play ball. I think he really started burning the goodwill there. And it was obvious, I think, even just as an outsider, like it wasn't working and you could tell it wasn't Page's fault as much as like certain people want to try and blame him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was painted into a corner. He didn't he literally had nothing to work with. How's he supposed to be a fiery baby face when cuz that's been his thing. Hangman Page is a fiery baby face. Sometimes a tragic one, but and then with this Punk feud it's like Punk's like, "Well, golly gee, I guess I'm going to go for the title." And what what's he supposed to do with that? Literally what was Hangman supposed to He had nothing to do there. So, you know, well, he had to do those awkward, like, split the difference things because Punk wouldn't. Yeah. And wouldn't. so if if I want to also, well, you know what? I'm feeling petty. Um, the other thing that uh, I, I believe this is accurate, I have not gone through and vetted it, but there's nobody who has a positive record over Punk since he came back. Like, he has wins up on everybody that he's worked with. Oh, but he, if you you listen to the punk apologist, it's like, oh, he he never wanted the title. He he's just there to to play. Yeah, whatever. Play ball, like, you no, know, yeah, he's he's he he basically it's it's so well, you can hate on it for like quite some time. To me, it's pretty apparent that it's like he wanted to basically be like Cena. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in the day, Cena, where it's like the focus is on me, guys. It's it's almost like Poochie. It's like. Yeah, uh, when CM Punk is down on the screen, everyone has to be asking, "Where's CM Punk?" Well, I, I don't have a problem with him having a positive record on everyone because where he was at and where their use of him, like I think he should have been winning. I think though they probably were going to run into problems with him winning the job, and he was being a little bit difficult. But I think um, I don't think he should have been taking losses left and right either. No, I mean. It should be special, like when MGF beat him, it's like special. But yeah, yeah it's it's just the guy's like the guy's edging into his mid forties. Like he's he should not be on top long anyway. Well, and I I think honestly he's really frail 
And I don't know if he can like train that away. And I wouldn't trust him with the belt anymore just because like, you don't know if he's going to get hurt and that's not his fault necessarily. But I think, I think if they put the, if they were to try to put the belt on him again, I think that would be really stupid just because, you know, he's older. I don't, he's not really an athlete and like, you're just risking him getting hurt again. I mean, yet he's walking around with that bag. Hey, Max, what's and it's just like, God, shut up. <laughs> just, 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 you know what? Never mind. At least I, they I learned their lesson and stopped doing interim belts. Yeah. So uh, anyway, and, and I, just uh, to tag along, Chad, I'm sorry that like FTR really, in my opinion, the more the, the more they've leaned into being like punk fanboys. Yeah. It's like the more I've like, I, I don't really care for them anymore. That their in-ring stuff is still great, but I am so downright sick of honestly Dax's out of the ring stuff that you know it's like every tag team that I look at and I'm like, man, you could be my favorite tag team of all time. They do something and I'm just like, I cannot like Rick Steiner having that blow up at the convention and then Dax Daxing or it's to the point where I'm gonna have to be like, yeah, my face is faces of fear are the best tag team of all time. Hmm. You know, because Midnight Express, well, Cornette pisses me off all the time now. I'm not doing that. It's, it's going to have to be like Faces of Fear or Dark Order or something. <laughs> it's, is Yeah, my favorite tag team of all time is Dark Order. Why is that? Because I respect Mr. Brody Lee. I don't know. It's. God, I don't think the Rock and Roll Express so has done anything to Tawdry. I, I mean, if we're not counting Jimmy Valiant shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I, I just – I. I respect the rock and roll. They, you know, amazing run, all that. They just don't do as much for me. Look, look, I'm going to be unironic because I actually do feel this way. And maybe it's just me like being annoyed with FDR because uh-huh. uh, obviously they're very talented in ring. But this this whole like AEW blind tag team tournament uh, that they're doing right now, mm-hmm. it's produced like two teams that I'm like, I actually like them better. Uh, Big Bill and Brian Cage. I can't believe that I've been as entertained by them as I have. Big Bill, uh, who of course used to be like uh, Cass and WWE, but uh, he, I feel, has really dramatically improved. Like, uh, dramatically improved. Well, like, he's, they, he's better in ring, I feel. But they understand he, how to use him, though. They understand, like, okay, you're big, just throw people around. But he's good at promos, too. Yeah, like he did. He cut a promo with Lee Moriarty where he's, I guess, the they were he was cutting a promo on uh, on Dalton Castle and the boys, and he's it's like, it's only like a minute long. It's like it's a good promo, and it's he's like so because he's so big, but he's such it's such a good promo. He's like, oh, you talk about the boys, like, you're my you're not my boy, you're not his boy. You better be boys with God. <laughs> uh, the Brian Cage Big Bill team i like better than the fdr right now and honestly the the people the team that's gonna probably win it and i doubt they're gonna win the whole thing they're not gonna win the belts from fdr because it's like i'm sure you'll have like a blow up and then it'll, it'll lead to like a, a pay-per-view match or something but adam cole and mjf <laughs> that tag team is way way more entertaining <laughs> uh, that and honestly that has been wanna, so funny to watch if you really want to be serious like i i it's like people look they were supposed to be just transitional but it's like i actually think that the guns have put more work and were better as a whole like package 
than fucking FTR. Like FTR has won it, and I don't think they've they've actually like defended the belts like once. I guess they're gonna defend it at, on Collision against uh, Juice Robinson and Jay White, who is yet another tag team that I like better than FTR right now. I, do I don't put the blame for F for that on FTR because they haven't been booked for anything. But the current run is lackluster. And it's lackluster. I here's the thing. I am going to forever have the FTR Briscoes trilogy burned into my mind because I loved it so much mm. that I, I can't fully hate on them. It's just you guys are not going to be my all-time tag team anymore. I, I if, if I am so frustrated and annoyed with you, then it's just not going to happen. I um, feel like they've suffered this year from like just the general lack of focus in the booking. Well, and, and, you know, them after the Briscoe stuff, them being out, being hurt and having to recover, they couldn't keep the momentum going from that trilogy either. Yeah. So that I I mean, you're going to have a match like that. That's going to happen. So you're forgetting Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, too, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> you know what? I, I like <laughs> I like Jay, Jeff Jarrett. So and I mean, we could always throw in um Sanjay Dutt's son, Satnam Singh. Yeah. <laughs> I did. You guys watch the negative one? Um, yes. And I just yes, like the. How do I get a a, a Chiron like like why can't I get a Chiron? It's like I don't know. Tony Khan just doesn't like you. Yeah. Why can't I get it? Can I? You're not using your all elite graphic. Can I have it? Nope. I can't have it. Also, the 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 paper throwing was great and. The MJF on Hey EW was really funny, too. I haven't like, watched I, that one yet. I, watching the whole thing, I was just sitting there, and, and when it finished, I was almost in tears laughing. I I just, my favorite part of um, Hey EW is when they get a good line off and you hear the production crew crash. <laughs> yes. They were cackling all during the negative one interview. Because well, he's thing- just ripping on rj city the whole time and you hear him laughing in the background rj city i was gonna say negative one's only 11 but like he's just got like that he just knows how to be entertaining which i think is a rare quality for someone that young Mm. Uh, rj city just as an aside is such a great hire yeah Uh, really really good and i like him and uh renee renee paquette uh have basically they're they're kind of like a ta- a, a team of sorts a unit as a, the wrestling antis. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're even selling a T-shirt. It's funny. It, he is the thing that I love about watching RJ City stuff is he is as an interviewer able to both play the straight man and the buffoon, and he's willing to do both. And he does he'll do them within moments of each other. And it's so much fun to watch because unless someone is just a piece of wood, he can play, you know, like the one he did with Sky Blue was not the best one because she felt it seemed kind of unsure of herself. But it still worked because, you know, he, he pulled it through. The guy is just super impressive. I thought actually one of my favorite ones is the Hikaru Shida one. Like they really did a good job with that one. I think my favorite one was the Mark Briscoe, the one with Mark Briscoe, because <laughs> yeah. he starts out going at Mark Briscoe so hard. There's not actually a town 
named whatever fork. Is that where you're from? Well, it just sounds better. But you're not really from – well, I am. That's where the farm is. But it's not really a place. Like he just went at him. That oh, doesn't God. work for me, brother. <laughs> I did Brad? that clip. Brad. That doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best part of that is she reads that. And she's obviously uh, being a very good sport, but she has no clue what the the, the context of that is. Well, the brother and like throws her off. That's why the pause is there because she's like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this?" <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so we're not just talking about contemporary AEW tonight, Brad. What are we doing? Uh, so we so we've been doing a lot of old stuff lately and kind of bouncing around. Yeah, we decided we're devoting an episode entirely to old uh, Joshi matches to continue along our streak of just kind of meandering along in the olden times and with some focus in Japan. So, yeah, (laughs) we're outside my wheelhouse for sure. Well, I actually we were watching this stuff and I told Shad, I said, I kind of wish we had started him with this stuff for his like first forays into Japan because it's much closer to American style, like with faces, like clearly defined faces and heels and obvious animosity. Yeah. It, that's, that's a little closer to the style that I'm <clears throat> most accustomed to. So, so we can kick this off. So our first one, I don't know what year this is. I'm guessing this is like 84, 85. I don't know if if it w- was on there, but... Um, 84. 84, okay. So this is like the tag league final. This is the Crush Gals versus uh, Dump Matsumoto and Crane U. And... Uh, that's that's right. The evil master, Dump Matsumoto, yeah. has returned to the podcast. And mm-hmm. she's not as, like, insanely violent and crazy as, as she's been in other... Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't have swastikas all over her. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Now, I'm going to warn you, if you look this up on YouTube, like, however this is presented has, like, English commentary, and the whoever's doing the English commentary are just dumb as fuck. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's better to just watch this, like, and without it. Just mute. And, and legitimately, the YouTube video apologizes and says, this is the only version of this I have. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The Don't. When you refer to their ring gear as, quote, unquote, swimsuits, I, I don't know why you're you're doing this yeah so um with that aside so we get the introduction and um well the crush gal is trying to get in the ring and dump trying to hit them with the chain um the crowd is so hot that it's nearly a riot and the match hasn't even started yet mm-hmm. and um so this this uh, starts and this is just a just all-out knockdown brawl between it's, teams that obviously dislike each other. Yes, and, and it's the, the entire clip on YouTube is like 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and it's basically like a sprint. Like there is no like dead like time in this. There's no like oh let's let's pause for like a rest hold for like two minutes to you know catch our breath. No, it's like all gas. And and there's furniture getting thrown. There's there's chains. There's just absolute bedlam what was fascinating to me uh because i haven't seen a lot of well i haven't seen a lot of all japan stuff 
all Japan women's. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of really these these workers, except for uh, uh, Chuku Senegayo and Lioness Suga. I've seen them more like in the the 2000s or like late 90s when they're basically singles and the top. Stars. Yeah, and it's not fair to say like past their prime, what? but like on the, the the later half of their careers. Well, Chigusa uh, Nagayo, was she was she the owner of RCN or was it Gaia that she ran? Uh, that's a great question. I have to look that up and looked it up real quickly. She was one of those was like her thing because then she shut it down when she retired. But I mean, like if if you watched in the '90s, they were both big stars, but they were singles. Uh, Gaia, it was Gaia. Okay, and in the rare instance where both members of the tag team like got big afterwards. What's really again? I, I, let me finish my thought. I haven't uh, I haven't not seen a lot of them, but. It's this was fascinating to me because it's like they were as over as I have ever seen two baby faces like rock star like excitement. They were they were up there. They were probably. If not the biggest wrestling stars in this era, they were at least on par with like Inoki and Baba and Saruta and anyone you it's it's the equivalent of like. At height of his popularity, like Cena or another star, where it's like they're coming out and like everyone's electric for them. It's it's it was really something. It's like who are these? Are these like the the Crush Cows? Or this is like the Rock and Roll Express and the heyday of like 1980s Crockett promotions. It's like people are like going crazy for them. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this, uh, Shad? It, it was. The biggest thing that I took away from this is, I mean, this was a brawl, and brawls kind of lend themselves to telling their own story. The story shines through if you're having a brawl pretty clearly because the faces are going to be firing, go at the other folks, and the heels are going to do dastardly things. And one thing I really appreciated in this is the fact that the the Crush Gals – are yeah they're up against dump matsumoto and crane U, but they take the fight to them like mm-hmm. the the things that i remember from the past is just like dump matsumoto shows up and just beats the living hell out of everybody and these two are just like oh i don't think so and like go at her and are like well it's really more crane U that they're they're throwing around but i mean they're putting the hurt on both of them so it's more even and it's not just brawl it's not like concession stand brawl but like you said they're going they're going hard they're throwing at it and there's there's lots of very raw feeling in this if that makes sense yeah so it makes it um it makes it easier to follow and then i was talking with with brad about this before we got started is one of the things that bugs me about japanese wrestling and this is a cultural thing because in Japan, wrestling is looked at – it is still regarded as and presented as sport-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but in America, wrestling is presented as morality play, face heel, good evil, get your come up. It's that sort of stuff. And I, if, if I – having too many of the like, oh, we've got a tweener versus tweener. Let's just see who's better. Like you do that sometimes. That's fine. 
But if you do it all the time, man, I'm checking out. I could watch a basketball game if I just wanted to see people be like, who's better? You can get that everywhere else. Part of what I want out of a lot of my wrestling is I, I want the story. I want to see this story unfold told in a medium that is unlike any other medium. And they do that here. You've, you've got these you've got these nasty, mean heels who are just like, you know, we don't care about the rules and we're going to do this. And you've got the faces that are like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. I ain't backing down from you. Well, and they, you know, there's also a presentation aspect to that, too, where the and you see it across the first two matches, especially the heels are big and colorful and have all yeah. this presence. And, and the faces are kind of practical, no glitz, technically competent, like very sympathetic. Like you want to root for them, but they don't have like that big, like pomp and circumstance presentation. They're kind of just like this everyday blue collar presentation to them. It, It goes back to, there's always the discussion with workers where you say, you know, you like being a face or heel. And I will say I like being a face, but I'm not a very I was not a very good one. I was a better heel because it's it's easier to be a heel. It's easier to do things that piss people off and people don't like. And so all you got to do is you be mean, you be nasty, you wear things that folks don't like. And, you know, we're seeing that here and the faces are just like we are taking no chances. We're not wearing extra stuff you could grab onto. We're not going for flourishes, you know. We've we've got to be smart about this kind of thing. And the heels are like, whatever. Whatever. I do what I want. Yeah, I did like the, the double scorpion death lock. That was a nice spot. spot. I was I watching that. I was like, ah, Sasorigatames. And I liked, for some reason I was reading about that earlier today. And I liked um there is a point where Dump just steps on someone's knee and then takes the leg lock out of it. And I was like, Oh, yeah. that's a nice dick way to do that. Mm-hmm. It was very well done. The the baby faces showed a, a tremendous amount of uh, a fire. Um, I don't know. I I thought this was really. I was like really impressed by this match. I thought it was really really good. Uh, it may it may have been my favorite of the matches we watched, only because like I I really liked the the whole sprint aspect. I I thought it was really energetic. I thought there was like no wasted. Like movement anywhere like it was really good i actually mm-hmm. like the second match we're gonna do better but i liked i liked all three matches a lot well all three of it all were good like you yeah if you watch any three like you're not gonna walk out of it like oh i wasted a few minutes of my life it's like no there's like you... just um bull nakano and akira hokuto had there mm. were just layers upon layers of like detail and storytelling to that i really liked mm. Do we want to do we want to just jump ahead to that one, or do we have more to say yeah. about the tag? Well, yeah, we can jump to unless Chad has any more. I don't have anything more to add on the tag. Okay, so this one is, is this ninety two or was this ninety one? No, I think it's I think this is ninety two, um, and then it is ninety one. Okay, and then I think the the, Minami, the last one is ninety two. Okay, okay, so this is Bull Nakano defending the WWWA title against um, Akira Hokuto. So this is pretty much, if you want the idea of this match, this is pretty much both women want to win so bad that they give no fucks and just 
have no regard for their own safety in their attempts to win this match. <clears throat> the thing that I got out of this match is at least my read on, I, I had to message Brad and ask about this. I was like, Bull Nakano, cause I went and checked, you know, build heights and all that sort of stuff. Bull Nakano is not bigger, right? Like <clears throat> Bull Nakano, you know, has this presentation that stands out and everything, but my Bull Nakano is not like a huge, like, big monster character like Aja Kong would be or something. So I was like, is, is, is Bull's thing here is that, that she's a mean, nasty heel? Is that what it is? And Brad's like, yeah, seems about right. So my takeaway here is, is that, uh, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm just going to say Akira cause I'm going to screw her last name up. Um, she starts this thing off hot because she's like i want to put this i want to put this one away i want to mm. deal with this person because I, I don't remember the the first the first move she did right out of the gate was a german suplex which is a you know a big deal in japan she's like german suplex pile driver pin let's be done because i don't want to have to put up with her crap and then nakano kicks out and it's like guess what i got crap for you to put up with mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh can i uh, offer some quick backstory here go for it um just to how this is like kind of flows from the previous match even though you don't think it does it, it because uh akira hokuto hokuto uh i'm basically mispronouncing her name hokuto. <laughs> so hokuto um she started off as a, just a fan mm-hmm. and she kind of got into wrestling because she was a big fan of the crush gals Oh, uh, and she was responsible back in the day. She was responsible before she got into wrestling. She was responsible for organizing the Bull Nakano fan club. Wow! And, uh, so when she actually became an active wrestler, like this, is, there actually is like a weird backstory there. It's like someone that she was a huge fan of. Obviously now, now she's a competing against, being a rival yeah. against. And, and let's add the, let's add a third layer here is because mm. we did watch the match. Um, Bull Nakano did start out as kind of an underling for Dump Matsumoto and yes. then broke off. Yes. And I I was messaging you guys. It's like Bull Nakano is a bad bitch. Like she just <laughs> doesn't give no fucks here. Is like at, at points just like doing shit to Akira. Like for no. Just it doesn't fighting fur, her. Yeah, it doesn't further the match in terms of it's not, it's not wearing her down. It's not anything that. It's just like just to be a dick. Just to yeah. be vicious and mean. Yeah. She did that. That's what that, I'm saying. That she comes off the top rope to the floor, and I was like, man, that is a lot of beef coming off of that. <laughs> but there is a spot I loved in this match. So there's a spot where one of um, Bull's like minions helps her do a super tombstone on Akira oh, yeah. Hokuto. And she doesn't go to the pin. The ref's like, I'm not counting that. You had help. And the ref just straight up won't count it, so she has to keep going. And it I, saves I, Akira from, like, getting pinned. So, was there... Was this a match where, like, it, it, this is where I'm confused. Is outside interference not, like, a huge deal? Or... I think I, the, I'm not... I think the refs just kind of let it slide in AJW. Okay. Because, I mean, as we saw on the, the tag, they kind of just let it 
ride too. They just let fly, yeah. Okay. But I think that was his way of controlling it. It was like, okay, well you can do it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you pin someone off an illegal move. Mm-hmm. But then this kind of turns into they're just throwing bombs at each other trying to like uh get the win and a lot of it is Akira trying to do stuff that she thinks she can hit Bull with without um getting caught in reverse. Like there's a spot I really liked where she keeps going to the top rope and missile drop kicking Bull mm-hmm. because it's safe. Yeah. Cause cause there's not a whole light. <clears throat> if you hit with it, it's not like Bull can like grab your ankles and pull you in or something like that. And <clears throat> Bull whips out Cody's finisher. Well, more of a signature, isn't it? He finishes people with the kick, doesn't he? With the disaster kick? Yeah. yeah. But she I whips thought... out the disaster kick at one point. Um, she does a leg drop off the top rope. Like she, there's a point where she's just like throwing everything she can, and Akira won't go down. <clears throat> she did two leg drops off the top, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think I think uh, I think Bull went for the first one, and uh, Akira kicked out, and Bull went for the second one, and Akira moved. I think that's right. But what I liked about this, though, is. You could tell how bad both of them wanted it. Mm-hmm. Because they were just laying it all out there. And I thought Bull was really good at making you want to see Akira just beat her ass. Because <laughs> I, was, I was actually, I didn't know who won this. And I was like, the second Akira got pinned, I was like, oh, that's lame. I wasn't, like, mad at the match, but it was kind of like that disappointment of, oh, she lost? Uh, it kind of, it kind of, like, was abrupt to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because I was, it was, like, a crazy match. I was expecting, like, a really big finish. I think sometimes, uh, though, it's better if you kind of end a, a bomb fest like that, though. Mm. It was a it was a good match. It, it, Akira really, really showed a lot here. Like, she really, I mean, I felt that she got better even, but she really showed a lot here. And Bull was, like, just, Bull was being Bull. Like, she was fantastic. And, and it really made me appreciate Bull. And it's, like, actually, we don't probably talk enough about like how great Bull was. Uh, and Bull's career was not, like, super long. But, uh, well, it was a little bit long. But, I mean, it, 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 it she doesn't get enough credit that, I think, probably because, like, the 80s and 90s was really like her heyday and now we're like 20 plus years 25 mm-hmm. years since then yeah um and i, I mean, think go ahead i'm sorry well, i was gonna say i think what makes her unique in her presentation and shad and i were talking about this before the show because she's like a monster but she's yeah. technically proficient and she's intelligent i i don't consider her a monster i consider her I was having a hard time coming up with like a mean, nasty heel who is the technically proficient and the best I could come up with off the top of my head. Minus any of the comedy stuff is kind of how MJF is just a dick. MJF is a dick, but he's also very good in the ring and he's successful. 
not the same, but kind of a similar vibe, if that makes sense. Um, it's not the best comparison, but I was struggling with coming up with another analog. Um, so I, I'm. It, it, is there something that springs to mind for you that that um, that I'm not thinking of? Because okay, um, <laughs> guess not. Uh, it, I it, mean, I, I agree. Like he MGF, like he is a dick, uh, and he really like heals it up when he doesn't need to. Um, and in real life, like in real life, I've actually heard that he's like a decent guy, a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like always on, uh, to the point where I, I recently read like on Twitter, I re- recently read like a, a story someone told like in real life, like MGF was basically like, I think it was like just going to the airport or something like that. Like MGF was actually like super nice to, staff people like very uh polite very complimentary until he became aware that people rec that, that at least one person like recognized him was like watching him and everything like that and then all of a sudden he like went into kayfabe like he, he became like addicted to people <laughs> yeah. it's like he was actually like perfectly nice which i've heard several people say like he's actually like a nice guy until then yeah. <laughs> it's like then he just wanted to kayfabe it up there was um a video that I guess got leaked or something, and it was right before uh, the the uh, I guess it was it all that when when he wasn't supposed to have the match with Wardlow, and it was the whole drama thing. He was backstage with the the costume lady who actually just retired from traveling, and she had made up the robe for him, and it was a special. It was the first time he'd had the robe that had like the lapels that had the Burberry pattern on it and stuff. And he's being very nice and very appreciative and and smiling and and joking with her and stuff and 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 very nice with the people backstage. And so that was it. it it's funny because it, at least for me, and I don't mean to be like this all the time but it's it's i think it's a good parallel it was easier for me you know they say the best gimmicks are you just turned all the way up well the problem is mm-hmm. if you turn me all the way up it, it, I apparently as as a baby face it there's not much you know there's not it's it's kind of bland but or if, if i free birds you tune it down a little bit <laughs> but when i put on a character when I was like, all right, this is the character I'm putting on and I'm going to go do this, like I was able to get into it way better. And maybe he's doing the same thing. He's like he when he gets into the character, he's able to get way into it. Um, I think I, I think I think the turn yourself up to 11 is good advice, but I don't think that works for everyone. I think I think it's like true until it's not, because like the stuff I've enjoy doing like with D and stuff is like mm-hmm. and it would probably be if i got into wrestling be the same thing is like i get more into like taking my personality doing the complete opposite of that and then turning it up to 11 mm-hmm. so i think like i think that's like where i would get more enjoyment out of it yeah um if i were to yeah it, it's it i got more enjoyment out of this is something everybody hates. This is something I know I hate. I know other people hate. So I'm going to lean in real hard. And that being a heel is easier. It's fun. It's easy to piss people off. B- 
being a baby face is actually kind of hard because you can't make people like you. So <laughs> that's why finding good top baby faces is hard because you know how are you, how how are you someone that is broadly likable that people want to get behind? Well, I think that's um. There's qualities to that that I think are underrated. Like I'm going to use Eddie Kingston as a good example mm-hmm. is um, what he has like is a face that a lot of people can't replicate and something Ricky Morton has. And I think even Akira Hokuto had in this match is being sympathetic when you're selling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's something I don't think you can teach someone. I think that's just something like you're ingrained with, but it's a rare quality when you can be like sympathetic while you're getting beaten up. Yeah. That, that might've been an issue for me because I was taller than damn near everybody I was in the ring with. So it's like, well, I can't, I can't garner sympathy very easily if someone's beaten on me. Actually, you know, you know who else is really good at it? Speaking of someone that was really tall, giant Baba was really sympathetic mm. in that match we watched with Dick, the bruiser. I'd need to think about that. I, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I'd have to think on it. Dusty was really sympathetic. Yeah, I just think that's... I think there's just inherent qualities that are tough. I, I think, like, when I think of Eddie is like, the, the Mike Quackenbush match, he was super sympathetic in. Um, yeah. The match with Miro at um, All Out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the thing that I think makes Eddie so sympathetic is... This is going to be a goofy comparison, but if you ever watched Homestar Runner, the the little brother thing where it's like, I can make it on my own, and you're just like, oh my god, he's he's trying so hard, and Eddie is Eddie's been beat up, and <coughs> you know my knee's gone out, brother, and you know they've gone after his arm for the hurricane and stuff, and he's still plugging along, and you're just like, come on, Eddie, you can do it, you know you're you you are he he just keeps going even to the point where it you know he's like dragging him say it's just he was he walked across texas daddy but at the end he like pulls himself up and takes you out like that's that's what i think i think the eddie quality is that pulls you in is he just he just he keeps going no matter what you do to him he just keeps dragging himself towards you and maybe you can put him down long enough to pin him, kind of in a very Foley-esque fashion, without all the maniacal bumps and that sort of stuff. And I think there's, I think, I think it's a rarer quality in WWE because I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal a Briscoe line here, but I think there's, I think there's something too to being sympathetic to also being a tad bit not aesthetically pleasing. Oh, because you're not perfect. Yeah, and I think that's where WWE struggles with that is because they have this very narrow definition of what they think a wrestler is. And, well, one, they try to turn their natural baby faces heel just to prove a point. But because, yeah. like, they're all like these, they, they all look a certain way, like, you don't get the sympathy. Yeah, it... <coughs> it... Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's like think think back. Like the only 
baby face they had that didn't seem to really fit the mold in the last few years was Otis. And now they they've kind of made him a heel again, but he's coming back around. I didn't even realize he was still there. Is he still doing that Alpha Academy? Yeah. Steve and Gable are still doing that. Oh, man. They just have people do the same crap forever, don't they? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. And they, they could have they had enough of a wave that they could have pushed him up to the top of the card and done that. But they didn't want to do it because he Otis is fat and ugly. It's like Otis is a power lifter. Otis is strong. He's he's concerned about being strong, not about being aesthetic. There was a point where him and Mandy Rose were super over and they botched that horribly. Yeah. They could not separate the two of them fast enough. And Mandy never recovered from that. Well, I mean, she was basically just doing NXT stuff. Yeah. Until they fired her. <laughs> well, because that was at the that was at one of the COVID manias, and they got the big payoff, and it was this huge moment, and then they immediately moved Manny to the other show and made her cut her hair, so she looked like generic mid two thousands lady wrestler number six, and as opposed to looking like she had looked the entire time. And then they wonder why people don't get, like, invested in their storylines, because they always do that stuff. Like, yeah. a good example is um, the L.A. Knight stuff, when he started to get over, I was immediately like, oh, yeah, he's not going to win Money in the Bank, because he got over. No. And then they put it on Each. Damian Priest, who literally hasn't done, like, shit in months and no one cares about. The idea is that there is a internal strife in the Judgment Day storyline there. But, I mean, honest to God. Who cares? Just because you planned on doing that two months ago, look at the reaction. Look at what's going on. L.A. Knight came out. They were in Madison Square Garden. L.A. Knight was not on the SmackDown. They had him come out in a pre-show segment because Hit Row was out there, supposed to be dogging on the crowd. But, frankly, they were dying because, well... We don't have to go into that. And then his music hits, and the place goes ballistic. And he comes out there and cleans house on Hit Row, does does like a 20-second promo that is basically just his catchphrases, and the building's going crazy. And I'm like, how is this guy not on the show? How, do you, how have you not carved out a segment for this guy when he is this over? I... I do not understand it. I wonder, do you think they're going to get sued for having um, Lord Zed on his Titantron? I didn't even realize. I I wasn't aware of that. Look, watch his Titantron, and they have, like, Lord Zed's face on okay. there. Okay, I gotta look now. Yeah, it's, like, really... I, I got... Okay. Okay, hang on, let's... YouTube LA Night Titan Tron 2023, not 2022. Even even Logan Paul, like it wouldn't have been my top preference, but having him on his show and like wandering around with the briefcase would have been like good PR for them. I mean, I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that, but. Hey. Uh, but I mean, what do you do with Damian Priest is the money in the bank holder. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we didn't really want to talk about necessarily about that that pay-per-view but what a dumb booking decision it's like it, okay if you don't care about logan paul for reasons a lot of people that are criticizing him because he's a you know like a bitcoin scam artist or something a like that. unrepentant shitbag 
he's he's a douche, I guess. But hey, at least he has like a name, and people know about him. And the younger generation, which you desperately need, like they're like clued into him. It's like why not put the money in the bank on him? Like, why not? You put it on Damian Priest. Who gives a shit about Damian Priest? No one cares about him unless Bad Bunny's involved. Yeah, and, and it's it's tiresome that it's like they, they won't even book L.A. Knight or like give him a push, even though people are behind him. And part of the, I, the, so the alleged rationale behind that is like, well, he's old. It's like he's actually at least three months younger than Damian Priest. Like... <laughs> explain it to me like because it's, it's... i'll tell you why because um la knight has gotten over in other promotions and he was big before he came to wwe and he wasn't supposed to get over and he did and that's bad he's not supposed to be as over as he is yeah and they he didn't learn his lesson after the stupid mountain dew match and got over even more and now here we are did you did you see Lord Zed's face, Shad? I I did not. Like I saw some pictures, uh, like like high contrast of like the outline of La Knight's face. Let me, but I was not seeing Lord Zed anywhere. Let me. But um, let me let me look here. So uh, our next match is Manami Toyota versus Kyoko and Noe. So I did a little bit of reading going into this <clears throat> and the first thing I saw because we had I'd watched a Toyota match before I think it was Toyota versus Aja Kong yeah and it's like Toyota one of the best you know women wrestlers of all time and I'm like uh, what metric are we using and then you guys said earlier it's like I was one of Meltzer's favorites I'm like ah so there's a particular style at play here and then, you know, from poking around a little bit before watching this match, I was like, oh, Japanese Ocean X move. That's her thing. Got it. OK. Um, the story I got out of this match is that uh, Toyota is just taking it to uh, Inoue and Inoue's trying to keep up and not doing great. That 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 was my takeaway. I don't know. Am I am I off base with it or? No. <laughs> yeah, that was my read on it. Yeah, it it's very it's very good. I, I I don't know if it it's hard for me to put a it's hard for me to put a finger on it. I guess. Um. I I think this was a bad follow up to the other two that were like high heat. Mhm. Um I thought this was technically proficient. It was just kind of sprinty and and um and weird. And like I thought it was good. I thought this was really good. But it didn't have like for me, I watched this straight like I came straight out of Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto and watched this. And that mm-hmm. was not a good way to do this. Like I think this in a vacuum would have been okay. Like, but like coming off the emotion and like the stakes and the, just the vitriol of the last two matches, it kind of fell a little flat for me. Mm-hmm. It was not as, it was not as charged. No. 
And I lo- I watched these, and I was like, I'll watch them in chronological order. Uh, which is what I did. Yeah, I, maybe I should have flipped it. Um, but I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, it's very good, but it's not. It didn't. It didn't grab me. If that makes sense. It's good, uh, but there are better uh, Anami Toyota matches out there and better Toyota opponents. I think Brad. I think he said like Meltzer gave this one five stars too. Yeah. I, it's it's not that it's bad. It's not. It's it's a good very it's a very good match. Um, I mean, I guess I guess I have to say though, in the context of 1992, this would probably blow my brains out <laughs> yeah uh, but it uh melzer and we've talked about melzer before uh and melzer has argued that because people like get up at their feelings especially like fed fans where it's like how come you didn't give undertaker versus sean michaels like five stars it's like well argue, you can argue but melzer has saying like well you know, the wrestling is better today than it was even like a few years ago. Well, it's here's like, okay. here's a here's a crazy idea when people mm. that I'm really I'm really over the people that get uber butthurt about his star ratings. And like I've been seeing people do like YouTube videos because they get attention for it that are complaining about his star ratings. But but oh, my God, it's his opinion. It is his opinion. Um, and I can say, like, I think that he, he kind of overvalues some stuff. But and I will say, too, I think the people that get really mad about it think about it way more than he does because like i I, and and the other thing though is like people because we've watched a lot of wrestling now in a Mm -hmm. in a critical kind of way and i think the people who get really mad about that don't understand like and it's one of the reasons we don't actually snowflake is because when i used to do it like i could watch a match and i'd give it two different ratings like days apart months apart years apart based on any number of things of like what i'd been watching if i'd seen something better after reviewing it what mood i'm in like that's why i don't do it anymore because it's very arbitrary even like by my uh, by my own standards and the more you watch like the more context you get to move stuff around and the problem I have is, like, I think Dave overvalues stuff, but it's, like, if you're Joe Pissant on the internet and you're really going to bitch about Dave Meltzer, who's probably seen, he's probably forgotten more wrestling matches than you've ever seen. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, yeah, his star ratings are his opinion, but they're more valid than your Pissant opinion because he's seen more. I, we don't, another reason we we don't, we don't put star ratings on stuff here is, like, the three of us could be, we in a lot of things we are in accord, but then on some other things we can be wildly disparate on what we got out of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it to a certain extent it like does boil down to like opinion. Like I, I do think, especially if you've watched enough wrestling, we we and we collectively have watched a lot of wrestling. And Meltzer obviously has watched like a ton of wrestling for decades now. Uh, so I would argue that there is an aspect of it that it's like it transcends personal opinion to just like you can appreciate. Like the, the the competency of what you're watching, like does is is this of a certain quality in terms of like technically proficient? Like yes, and you can base it things on that, but that, to a certain extent, it's like it's based on personal opinion. It's like personally, I don't think he's as good as people uh, rate him to be, so I'm not gonna give Will Osprey like the most five star matches ever. 
Yeah, it, but Dave, Dave Meltzer does because the type of stuff that Will Ospreay <sighs> does, it's like and, that's exactly the sort of thing that Dave Meltzer likes. So and you have to give context to things. Dave mm-hmm. Meltzer grew up in the Bay Area watching San Francisco wrestling with Ray Stevens and Pepper Gomez. Like he grew yes. up in a work rate territory. Like that is what he grew up watching, and that that affects you. Like the first wrestling you see will always like have a massive impact on your taste and your preferences and how you the lens you view wrestling through forever. (laughs) The first wrestling you enjoy will do that. That's a fair point because like when I first got into wrestling, it was WCW. 1992 began uh, just after the Dangerous Alliance uh, angle, basically like mostly concluded. Like that's what I was into, and I got into WCW, uh, and then I obviously I became like obsessed with wrestling, so I watched WWE uh, slash WWF, and a lot of it was like old content too. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched a lot of that, which is different than what it is now. But I got into like WCW, which was still more of a work rate promotion than WWE, uh, and so I I I would say I appreciate WWE more. I'm sorry, I, WCW now. NWA Jim Crockett promotions. I appreciate it more. Uh, I've always appreciated work rate more because uh, that's like what I got into and really enjoyed. Uh, but it's different for different people. Like, like, look the this most recent uh, Friday Night SmackDown. They had 40 minutes, so like ha- almost half the show of the Bloodline, and it popped a big number for them. Uh, I would. I I don't give a shit. Like hey. if. And that's not it, just it, that's a WWE what? thing. If you if you put 40 minutes of talking on any wrestling show I'm watching, I am looking for a noose. Yeah, I I, I don't want it. I don't want it. No, people, and and Meltzer for all the people that, that claim like Meltzer like oh he's so biased for AEW. It's like Meltzer every time you turn around he's tripping over himself to be like oh WWE is really hot right now. It's like he says that almost like a running joke. It, it's like it, he just says it like every time. It's like okay maybe it is. You know, I don't care though, and yeah. it, that's that's your personal preference. Like it could be hotter, it could be hotter than AEW, and it's like th- th- fine. Uh, I don't care for it or buy it. No, because I anything don't. anything I remotely get interested in, they go out of their way to ruin. I mean, it's... again, it, it, if you like that sort of thing, that's fine. Like I'm not complaining about. It. I'm just saying, like I personally don't like it, but. Kind of go towards the broader point. It's like it's what you're tailored into. There, there are plenty of WWE fans. It's like, oh, Bloodline is the best storyline WWE has ever done. And I think I would say that's a bunch of crap. Like I think that there's yeah. way better storylines. But it's like maybe if you're like if if you're into the whole like WWE sports entertainment thing and you like the soap opera element uh, of the you blood, know. Bloodline and all that, it's like that's. That's fine. Like maybe, Even, maybe to you, genuinely, that's the best thing that WWE has ever done, or at least the best thing that's going on in wrestling today. I, I, I disagree, those people. But I mean, maybe that's what you think. I, 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 those people are wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like, would argue. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking strictly. If we keep it within the bounds of the WWE, they're still wrong. 
because they didn't watch they didn't watch the mega powers explode. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't see, watch Savage and Liz get back together. Or um, let's even go more modern stuff like um, the Shield versus Wyatt stuff, like the Shield face turn, Brian uh, Daniel Bryan Anderson. stuff, uh, yeah. Summer of Punk, uh, like the Eddie and Benoit stuff. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff. Yeah, it, it's it just because someone makes a face that looks like they might cry on camera. I'm not necessarily there for it. That's that's not it. It, it kills me that you know you said you know SmackDown's a two-hour show and almost half of it was devoted to one thing, and I'm like, I it is that is not the flavor of ice cream that I'm gonna eat anymore. I can't. I had too much of it for too long, and I didn't like it all that much to start with. So, you know, I, I don't – I'm not necessarily on board with Meltzer because Meltzer like his ice cream to have, I don't know, Mexican jumping beans in it or something. Um, but I, I'm not – I'm not eating their brand anymore. I can't do it. Like – and I think that part of the problem that we see a lot of this this – internet banter stuff is that it's coming out of very young fans and i don't want to be that crotchety old guy now you whippersnappers or something but you know if you're 20 and you say this is the greatest thing i've ever seen let's be honest how long have you been watching have you got maybe 10 years under your belt of watching stuff and then when did you like really get into it and start paying attention to quote unquote how good stuff is as opposed to just enjoying the show as it went like have you watched older stuff or do you just watch – you enjoy watching this when it comes on, and you watch it, and you enjoy it, and then you talk about that, and that's that's what you do, and that's okay. But don't give me best ever. If you want to say best I've seen, best I've ever seen, totally valid. You can do that. Don't give me best ever. You yeah. have got to have enough context to say, okay, if I compare – this to this, I think this is better, and this is like high end stuff, so because, this would be my upper tier. Yeah, because if you say that, like, okay, so it's the best you've ever seen, like, I guarantee you, let's put Memphis Wrestling into the YouTube search engine and we'll find something better. Just picking a random click, clip, we'll find something better. You guys said, you know, not, not even that, uh, what, the episode a couple weeks ago. It's like, the the steamboat youngblood versus slaughter canoodle final battle thing like just just staggering storyline jerry lawler and eddie gilbert fighting in the parking lot in terms of just straight up storylines i can't i i if you want to say this is my favorite thing they've ever done that is totally valid okay that's fine if that's your favorite, great. I take I issue with taste. best ever. I take issue with best ever. I, I also I try I try very hard to watch myself for recency bias to say, okay, just because I just now saw this and enjoyed it, is it really the best? Is this like great? And I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll but, use one that's that's an older one. Lex Luger beating Hogan for the title on Nitro. And that was two two years, like two years in the. It was a long time in the making of 
someone in WCW taking that belt off Hogan. It was like a year. Was it just a year? Yeah. I thought it was a little longer than that. But I mean, just even like, um, even I'm trying to think of like WWF stuff from that time. Like even like the Austin Hart stuff, like it's just, uh, there's even, there's just way better stuff in WWE and I don't even care that much for WWE. Or what about like the, the 10 man tag with like DX and like the radicals versus you know, Foley and too cool and stuff with Kane coming back at the end. <laughs> yeah. I, um, There's, I was gonna, I had one, and it just totally slipped my mind. But the uh, the thing is, this maybe the bloodline thing is ending, but Roman's thing hasn't ended. That he has not been beaten, lost the titles, and given a rub to anybody yet. If if the if the thing had happened and the Usos beat Roman and Solo, and then that's all there is to it, and they're like, okay, um. Okay, we've done that. Now we can go do our own thing because we're not shackled to him anymore. Then be like, okay, cool. That's a pretty good payoff. But it's like, no, we've got to keep it going. It's like, I don't, I don't know. This this doesn't have to keep happening. But they they want to keep it going because they're trying to fill time until next mania because they didn't make the right call at the previous mania. So, sorry, my chair squeaks a little bit, but I just, no, if that's what you enjoy, if that's your favorite, great. Don't give me best ever. Do not, do not give me best ever unless you can explain why. This is cinema, Shad. It, it, this is, (laughs) I have done things more cinematic than that. Look, I saw someone, I think it was Backup Hangman on Twitter, being like, you know, they're, they're like, it's people like just being like uh, ironic and making fun of that, right? Like they don't actually think it's like cinema. It's like I don't have that faith in like some of these people. Like no. I actually, when they say it's cinema, I actually think that they're being honest and think it's actually like the best thing that that that's out there. That's you can't have like Michael Cole. I know like Michael Cole's like playing the company man, but you can't have Michael Cole being out there. That's like oh Roman Reigns, like he deserves to be nominated for an for an Emmy. It's like it's like no what. No, no, come no. on. And Emmy Horseshit. for what? For that one segment, horseshit. No. For going out there and doing his usual monologue in the middle of a match and like him and making a, making a sad face. Sammy, we could have been a family together. It's like just shut up. I'm so tired of this. Ew. No, Ma- I, making I a sad care. face when you're supposed to kneel and acknowledge Jay is like no. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No, I've that was slow seen... motion. And that was a slow motion, sad face. I there was not say, enough in it. I was going to say, I would, I've never seen anything in wrestling that deserves an Emmy. I'm sorry. I haven't. Like, if you wanted to get a wrestling is just so different from all other visual media that you can't. You, you can't it, – it does not get judged. I'm not saying you can't. It does not get judged by the same rules as everything else. And, and the truth be told, the best the best acting I've ever seen on a wrestling screen is William Regal when he had to kiss Vince McMahon's ass. <laughs> and he got chapstick <laughs> out. Like that's – I mean if you want to talk about pure <laughs> acting, that might be the best thing I've ever seen. 
But, like, you're not going to give that an Emmy. No. And, and this is not going to get an Emmy either. This is... This is hyperbole. This is hyperbole. This is unironic hyperbole. People don't realize they're doing hyperbole. Or the Vince McMahon meme (laughs) reaction is my favorite. (laughs) Well, and... And my favorite version of that is the song Bad Company by Bad Company on the album. Bad Bad Company. Company. Yep, yep. Look, okay, here's a comparison I got for you. What you saw, what you see on WWE TV is like the X-Men cartoon show, right? We're conveying emotion. We're telling the story. We're moving. But you are going through these storylines in such a way that you're only hitting the high points. We are not getting high cinema out of this. You know, uh, we got we, we got more cinematic experience out of Vin Diesel in the Fast series. And so – yeah, there are some people who are going to be pissed, but they weren't listening to this show anyway. Wrestling, wrestling's like the old pulp novels. That's yes. It's a lot is... of it's a, it's a crap load of fun. They're still fun to read, but you're not reading high literature. You're reading boys' entertainment, fast cars, like violence and cool gadgets, and it's fun. It's light, but you know what? Like two weeks after reading that, I'm not going to remember half the story, even though I'd been but... doing it. But that does not mean that if it if it emotionally touches you or moves you, it is not less valid. Mm-hmm. It is not somehow lesser than. It's just not what it generally does. You know, when when Cody looks at Dustin and says, "I don't need a tag partner. I need my older brother," like that gets me a little bit in the gut. When <clears throat> You know, you get Macho and and Liz back together. Like that's 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 an emotional moment. <laughs> Elizabeth, Elizabeth, <laughs> will you marry me? <laughs> like you, you're, but that I'm not gonna call that high cinema. Just because it makes you feel something does not mean it's high cinema. Or, um, it does not mean you're gonna win a war. Modern Family should not have won like 18 godforsaken awards while um, other, you know, other deserving shows were. They it was not that good that long. It's just what the people giving the awards liked. Yeah, and let's be honest here. If anything from wrestling deserves some kind of an award, it is the tragic death of Dragon Dragon. No, I still uh, the the introduction of Dragon Dragon, hearing Eddie Kingston be so excited for Dragon Dragon is so infectious. <laughs> oh, my God. Really he's so about, agile. If you really want to talk about people who deserve Emmys, which yeah. I don't I, I would not say that that wrestling deserves that. But you want to talk about it like Eddie Kingston because you brought him up. Eddie Kingston, like who I, I would argue sincerely argue. But there are a few people out there in wrestling right now that actually like genuinely like convey emotion and generate emotion than, than mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston. Like Eddie Kingston just won the like the, uh, I believe it was the in New Japan. It's the strong, strong something open weight strong open weight title I think. Yeah, and he's like practically in tears, emotion, saying like how he 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 was basically like a guy who like he thought that his life was going to be like. He's going to die on the streets because he's stealing from people. He's like selling drugs and stuff like that. He never believed that he could actually like win a, a Japanese title because he's such a Japanese fan and almost in tears saying that. And it's like 
you can't watch that to me. You can't watch that and be like, you feel nothing. Yeah. Like that's you're like, oh my god, like this is, what a what a promo this guy is cutting. Like you can't watch that and like it not convey something to you. Like you you can't feel something. And that's like, look, that was a good one, but it's also like this is like every Eddie promo in the sense that you feel something. Yeah. For Eddie promo. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it, uh, a recent show. It's like when he's talking about how like he he's going crazy. Uh, he's going to be incredibly violent. And he's like pleading to Tony Khan. It's like you can stop this. Yeah. Uh, or even when he's like talking about like his demons, and it's like like I drank to drown my demons, but they know how to swim. It's like he's saying that in a way that it's like Jesus, you like feel it. Uh, but that like that's that's an Emmy. Like that you, should, to the extent that deserve, people deserve an air quote an Emmy, it's like give him yeah. an Emmy. Like he, he actually like I actually felt emotion when he was cutting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's this typical boring promo even, from the WWE, I don't feel emotion at all. Even for me, like watching Bull in the Kano versus Akira Hokuto, I got I felt more emotion watching that than I did like most of this horse crap. Like people, and I'm not even saying just WWE. Like the 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 promo stuff, people like get super like into, and you watch it, and it's just like boring like paper thin like stuff it's just like i got more out of watching like two women just being like i want that shiny gold thing and i'm going to kill myself to get it like i got more out of that one of my favorite examples on how different wrestling is from everything else was um i think this was from a communications professor but don't hold me to it if you sat down and wrote like if you took the transcript of Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo and presented it as a a speaking piece it'd get ripped apart incomplete thoughts you know not a full me- you know the message is is only so far and that sort of stuff it's like but you turn that on and watch Dusty deliver it wrestling does not play by a lot of the rules that other stuff does don't try and shoehorn it in. Don't make an excuse since, oh, this is cinema. It's like, you don't know. Wrestling is wrestling. And if we want to use the John Oliver term, <clears throat> we can say wrestling is wrestling. And when wrestling is good, it is better than everything that you like. <laughs> but when it's bad, it's worse than everything you hate. I actually like my comparison to <laughs> comparing it it's a pulp novel. Actually, it's it's good, but I think the the closest wrestling comparison is probably comic books. Yeah. And so they're they're also both very different from like any like any other medium. What 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 is out there that that does storytelling the way comics do? What is out there that does storytelling the way wrestling does? It's like good luck. Very few things. Yeah, and 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 now we have all these different flavors of it. Like if if you're a Shakespeare person, that's fine. There's a whole bunch of Shakespeare plays for you to pick from, but that's all the same flavor. You know, if I if I turn on AEW, I've got you know four or five different flavors in one show that I can enjoy. You, you know, there's lots of and, um, you have Shakespeare and wrestling. That's world of sport where you can get your monocle on and watch like Johnny Saint <laughs> wrestle cat weasel. But, but, 
<laughs> not 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 my point. I'm just but, saying I need to get a monocle. But <laughs> but what I'm getting at is we've got the you have this opportunity with this this one particular style that it can do its own thing in a way that speaks to the people who like it. But you cannot try and shoehorn it in with other stuff. So don't tell me that, oh, this was cinema. No. This is cinema in the term that you're trying to use. Like, we they made – Darren Aronofsky, like a highly acclaimed director, made a movie about a wrestler and didn't even get nominated for an Oscar for anything. Don't go off on that. It you're trying to put a a square peg in a round hole. The wrestler Don't. didn't get any nominations. No, it got no nominations. It didn't. No, not at the Oscars. Uh, Mickey Rooney won uh, best. Not Mickey Mickey Rourke. Not Mickey Rooney. Sorry. <laughs> verbal verbal hiccup there. That'd be a really um, different. Yeah, that'd be a different role since I think he was dead at the time. <laughs> Mickey Rourke won Best I Actor at like up. People's I, I, Choice. I, I, I swear to God, that like, was nominated. I, Shad, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to like. Okay. I have to call you out. Let me let me let me caveat because I might be wrong and it might be they didn't win anything, but like the Bruce Springsteen song couldn't be nominated because of some sort of technicality. Okay, Mickey Rourke got nominated for Best Actor. Okay, and he was not. Nom- Tomei got nominated, nominated. for supporting. Okay, actors. they got nominated. They didn't win shit. Uh, no, they didn't. No, uh, Mickey Rourke did win uh, for. Uh, he did win a Golden Globe. Yes. Uh, and he, I guess the the Bruce Springsteen song got uh, won a Golden Globe for Best Open Original Song. Yes. And Marissa they- Tomei got nominated for that. Yeah. But the song couldn't be – I was wrong. They didn't win anything. The song could not be nominated because of some technicality bullshit. But they didn't win. What did they give it to? They gave it to the same thing the Academy always gives it to. It's it's like one of three things, and that's what they gave it to because that's what they always do. I don't even remember what – I don't know if you know what movie. Sean Penn in Milk. Ugh. Ugh. Does anyone even remember that movie? No. You know, I he, I remember it because it the wrestler didn't win. Also, people, spoilers. Uh, we're going to be reviewing that in the next couple weeks. <laughs> Not milk. Uh, no, <laughs> the no. wrestler. No. Yeah, the wrestler. And look, I still to this day I still get mad at Randy the Ram for screwing up. Yeah. But I have to say I am disappointed that it was a cautionary tale and. Brian Danielson looked at that as like something to aspire to be. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll dive into that one when we get to it. But um, that's such a good movie, man. It, it is. It's just it's really really hard for me to watch. It's it, fun until it, it's, it's, it's it's meant to be though. It's, yeah. It's fun when he's like you know kind of getting his life together and then that all goes horribly wrong. Yeah, well, there's one line right in the middle of that that will make me cry every time. So like, what, this was before I had kids, and that line will make me cry. So what, um... What's, what's, what's your, the line? I'm alone, and I deserve to be. I just don't want you to hate me. And I'm just like... What, <gasps> so what is your guys' opinions? Did he die at the end, or did he make it? 
I say we'll, how about we get how about we get into it when we do the episode? Okay. Yeah. Let's sit on it until I, I, then. My answer to that, I guess, is basically like how how far are you in the sliding scale of like cynicism versus uh, optimism? Idealism. Yeah. We'll get yeah. into it when we do the episode. I think it's a better we'll get... story if he dies, but I'm cynical. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So did we talk? So the Manabi Toyota versus Kiko Inoue match is. I will say this about it. Going back to that. It's probably about close to 30 minutes. It doesn't feel like 30 minutes. It does go by pretty quick. Yeah, it does. The pace definitely stays up. So, um, Shad, um, I'm curious. So this mm-hmm. is kind of like some extended exposure to Joshi. Did you like it better than like some of the older uh, Japanese stuff we've watched? Here's how I can here here's how I phrase it. I watch this and I look at it and I go, this is this is very good. I don't love it, but this is very good. So I can appreciate it. It's it's not my thing, but I appreciate it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. This this I felt was really all all, all three matches were like good good paced and really did show. Uh, I mean, not to not to kind of bad talk the American wrestling scene because mm-hmm. it's it's certainly gotten better than it has been at certain points uh, but it certainly shows like the, the the very big disparity between Japanese women's wrestling and American women's wrestling mm-hmm. uh, because these matches are of a very very high quality and this is stuff that I think like the oldest of the matches is like 30 years old no it's uh, about it'll be 40 years next year of like the oldest stuff, yeah, but it, but it's it's like really high quality stuff. Um, you you can stack it up to any match, like a males match, uh, and it would it would at least like. Oh, I think there. I think if you if if you asked a couple of, if you asked a lot of guys to try and pull off that Bull Nakano Akira Hokuto match, I don't think a lot of guys could do that without being like gasping for air by the end. No, it, it's it's really high quality stuff, and even like modern Joshi is still good. Like it's still high quality stuff. It's it it can hold up with any of the men's matches, um, like stuff from Stardom, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, which is less, uh, I guess less work ready, more a little more sports entertainment. But like both of those like hold up pretty well against men's matches. But it's like the 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 Japanese. A women's wrestling scene has certainly like it's maintained a certain quality like it's still quite good yeah and this <laughs> is like the we watch stuff from like the golden age too mm. i think that one of the things i took away from this is that these these um, japanese women in their wrestling their their flexibility and their Frankly, just smaller size really enhances what they can do and their presentation. You know, more flexibility means that when uh, I think when Nakano put that Boston Crab on, it looked like nasty, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have, um, you know, and it, frankly, the other part is if you're not as big, then whenever you come off the top with something kind of bonkers you know 
Kyrie Sane's elbow, which looks like, oh my God, that I, you're not hitting with as much force, so you're probably not doing as much damage to your body. And so they are able to do more in that way, and that is a very unique angle that I had not thought about before, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. Uh, just to kind of me briefly talk about uh, modern Joshi wrestling, uh, I don't know if, Brad, you would, because uh, Chad isn't as familiar with uh, Joshi, um, I don't know if you saw that that uh, Julia just won the uh, New Japan Strong women's title from uh, Willow Nightingale. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I think we were like getting closer to like a Julia Julia excursions into like the United States. Yeah, because Willow um, won that. Who did Willow beat for the Strong? At Mercedes Monet. Oh, that's because yep. she got hurt. That's right. She got hurt, which it, it's it seems to be like the the, the plan was for like it was going to be like Mercedes Monet versus uh, Julia. Which would have been a good match, but it's also like that should have been like a really big marquee match. It's like we just would have had it like somewhere in a New Japan Strong like show. Like you would have, you should have really hyped that up. But they're kind, it kind of, of begs, it kind of begs into questions like how much does like New Japan actually care about that women's division? Yeah, I I kind of feel like people are missing the boat on Willow Nightingale right now. Oh, she's very good. Like she's very very good. She's got like because like, this is this is what she has that I think isn't appreciated is like when we talk about the sympathy thing, she's very sympathetic. But then like when she goes on offense, like she can just maul people. Willow has a personality that as a baby face just stands out and you want to cheer for Willow because she is so excited. She's so happy to be there. And then she kicks so much ass that yeah. you just, you just want to love, you know, you can't help but love Willow Nightingale. And I think yeah. that's I think that's what's underrated about her is, like you said, when it's time for her to give the heel the ass kicking you want to see, like she has the capability to give you that in spades. I uh, I don't know if I would, am fully committed, but I'm really like I'm like 99 percent committed. Like she is almost like entering into the Ricky Steamboat type of like natural baby face. Mm. role like she's she's so likable and so good at being a baby face but you are correct that she could just like turn it up and like really put on a really like really competitive like good match uh there are people out there on on twitter at least who are arguing that she should be more featured on aew and more featured in the sense like they should almost like have her be like the main face i think Uh, she needs to be in that like rising the ranks place right now but they they need mm. to feature her more <laughs> they do like she's very very likable very very good i i can get behind brad's uh brad's take on that because she's good at all of those things but the fact that she's doing like this japan stuff and things right now she's kind of making her bones and earning credibility and being like so whenever she does because i'm i'm sure she will Whenever she comes to AEW and plants her feet there, then when that rise happens, it's going to be like, well, yeah, Willow's someone to worry about. Look at all this stuff she's done. And she's getting that grassroots, like, following, too. Yeah. But, man, she's, I mean, and she's gotten really good, like, the last two years. She's improved, like, amazingly. She's improved. Yeah, she's really good. She she is really good. Like I think there's an argument for me that she I mean, 
she might be top three baby faces in wrestling right now. I could see that argument. Uh, I'm not going to immediately call it out as wrong because I might agree with it. Like she's very, very good. I I see the argument. I'm not sure I'm on board with it, but I see the argument. I know for me, like there's very few people that get me behind them like she does. I I, I come from a weird place on that because like I, I I can get behind people. I can cheer for people, but uh, some of my reasons are a little weird. Some you know, obviously I mean I'm behind Eddie Kingston. It, it's Absolutely, 100%. But then Orange Cassidy is also a baby face, but he's not like the engaging thing, but I love watching him. The guy is so good. He's so skilled, and I get a huge kick out of his gimmick. Does that make him top three baby face? I don't know. Like, I really like him, but I don't know. I would know say Eddie's, Eddie's the best currently just because of all those. When you take the complete package, I would say Eddie's the best right now. And I think Hangman Page had a really, <coughs> sorry, had has had a, a really fantastic, um, you know, babyface storyline that like really took him up to the main event and all that. So it even if at this exact moment he is not um, in the you know in that that top spot. And Sammy's no. up there too. Sammy really hmm. put his bones in this year and got people to care about the bloodline and got no credit for it. Bloodline? Oh, Sammy Zayn. Okay, yeah. I was thinking Guevara. No, Sammy's. <laughs> I mean, that's what pissed me off that they had Sammy as a heel for all those years. Is like he is, he is an amazing face. Yes, that's true. And they haven't they hadn't let him do that for a long time. No, because because the, they're obsessed. They're obsessed there with making people work contrary to what they're good at. Like having Bailey as a heel, having Charlotte as a face, having Becky as a heel, um, having Sammy as a heel. You know, they really love having people play contrary to what they're good at. I I don't understand why. Oh, and I really don't. I sent you guys the picture. Do you um do you agree that's Lord Zed? <laughs> I, I, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only thing that ruins it is stupid Corey Graves has to do that every time, and I'm just like announcers like don't do their catchphrases. No, don't do that. That short. It, let though, them do it. I don't know how they did it for the Observer. Did you have you seen that that clip of him and like Meltzer and Garrett talking about it? It looks like Meltzer's like hugging like Corey Graves while he's talking about how awful he is. <laughs> no. I don't know what it was because he's got like his arm around him and he's like looking at it and he's like, yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> that That is not what um... <clears throat> Brad, he... I, I, I'm so tempted to needle you right now. Because he was talking about that, and then Garrett's kind of like, well, I think Booker T's pretty bad. I'm like, yeah, you're both kind of right. Here, Brad, I'm gonna, I'm getting ready to send you into a hall, into the, into the stratosphere. Are you ready? Yes. It's boss time. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
At least I haven't had to hear him say that for like <laughs> three years now. Oh, that yeah. just enrages me every time. Yeah. That's why I like AEW. They don't do that. No. They, they let, they're really good at not saying anything in these moments to kind of let the, let the moment go. And man, I, I, in years past, I would not have appreciated as much, as much as I do now. I, I told, I, we were, I, when I watched the rumble match, I think I told my wife, I texted her, I'm like, you know, I think I just like the AEW announcers because they pretend to like each other. <laughs> uh, you know why they don't do that in AEW? It's because Excalibur is too exhausted from trying to rattle down a, a car <laughs> in like 30 seconds. I used to love though. I, that's the one thing I miss with William Regal is his creative ways to like fuck with um, Excalibur. Like, <laughs> oh Excalibur, you beautiful little tart. Yes. Oh, my mouse man, you beautiful little crumpet. I would have put you entirely <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> I loved when um, you scrumptious little marshmallow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it was on TV, but have you seen the after the show clip where Dan Housen cursed Regal and he like just flips out? I may I have and don't one. remember it, but that one's funny. Wow. Okay. Or, or my favorite one, I, and that's the other thing I take umbrage with the bloodline thing. It was online only, but when um when Tajiri shows up for the cruiserweight invitational at the NXT offices, and he's all happy to see Regal, and Regal's like, "Oh my God, why are you here?" <laughs> And the animated one of him explaining why he hates Tajiri. No, I have not seen that one. That's funny. And the Ron Simmons one about Mick Foley is funny, too. Because he's like, because he's just like, Mick's like, hey, what if what if I like wrap my hand in glass and like punch you in the face? Like, no, we will not be doing that. <laughs> uh, so I think that's about it. So, um, yeah. Um, I don't know what we're doing next week. We are going to be doing the wrestler at some point, just because mm-hmm. that popped in my head for some reason. We we're all like, "Yeah, we should do that." Yeah, I mean, we may as well. It's the it is the best wrestling involved movie out there. Yeah, but not the best um, rolled by a wrestler because I think we talked about that once offline, and we we figured out it was George the Animal Steel playing Tor Johnson and um, Ed Wood. Oh, you're going to tell me it wasn't uh, Mark Calloway playing the bounty hunter in Suburban Commando? Well, okay, that might be tough. (laughs) I have a lot of fun dropping that on people who look at me like I grew another head. It's like, what? Seriously? Well, yeah. So anyway, um, wow, we were kind of all over the place with this episode, but that's all right. Everybody, thank you out there for joining us for uh, for this episode. Um, we'd love to hear from you on social media, and if you want to find any of these matches, they are on YouTube. Just I think you can just search by the people in the match, and it ought to pop up, right, Brent? Uh, look up. I think it's like April. Look up the Meltzer star ratings for the dates for um, at least Minami Toyota versus Kiko and Noe because they had a shitload of matches just to make okay. sure you find the right one. Gotcha. All right. Because I think there were like five or six of those. Okay. So everybody out there, thank you for being with us for this episode. Um, thank you for listening. 
and we'd love to hear from you. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corner corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>